Welcome to episode 11 of the Making a Mark Wrestling Podcast. In this episode, we watched the fourth and final match of Kenny Omega versus Okada at Dominion 2018. Laura, what star rating would you give this match and how do you think it compares to the previous matches in this feud? I would say of the four matches in the feud, it's the second best just for me. I still like the first one the most. And this one, though, was really close. There's only a few subtle things. And this one almost had the edge just for the moments with, like, Ibushi and the Young Bucks because there was, I think, the most storytelling in this match. Um, But I think I still liked some of the wrestling the most in the first match. So I'll give this one a four out of five stars because it was still really good. How and I do you it. think? Do you do you think how much of that do you think um, can be attributed to that being like your first experience? With- I was going to say there is of course that because the bar gets raised almost higher for every match we watch in this feud because these are two of the best at what they do, and things just get more and more intense. So that is probably a factor as well. Yeah, because the first time you see them, it's all new and it's, like, mind-blowing that wrestling can even reach this sort of fucking level, (laughs) you know what I mean? But then once you've seen it once, you know what to expect, you know what's, like, coming, you know what I mean? You've already experienced it once. It doesn't have that sort of new excitingness. Excitingness? Yeah, excitingness to it. Yeah, it counts. We'll say it's a word. I don't know what I'll... But, yeah, that's exactly how I'd describe it. And... This one had my favorite ending, though, because I, of course, was kind of prepared. I'd forgotten about it until I showed up and then remembered, like, from what we watched in the documentary and the whole him and Ibushi relationship and storyline. I'd forgotten that their reunion kind of came at the cost of Kenny's relationship with the Bullet Club. And one of the things I liked a lot about this match, that, like, promo footage, the, the edit, the video before the match started was such a great job because like I said I'd forgotten a lot of that and it reminded me very well and I feel like even if I hadn't been told that it was still pretty it clear even to a non-wrestling yeah. fan yeah and it felt so it like given this could just be because of what time of year it is and like I just saw Avengers Endgame but it felt almost like Avengers level hype to me especially the part where it's like what did it cost and he answers everything that seems like such a like Thanos Captain America exchange or something and then then it cuts to the fucking Bullet Club logo like disintegrating like just like the Thanos snap right so I just was I was in a very Avengers-esque mindset for that but I thought it was great and Again, it's like, hey, every other promotion out there, this is how you do those little promo videos. None of your cheesy nonsense. Like, this is and legit another thing, epic. another thing that's important to remember about this match compared to sort of the others is that the first match they had happened at Dominion 2017. This match happened at Dominion 2018. So those four matches happened over the course of a year. Which is insane. So, like... Like... What you've got to sort of remember is that for us, we, like, the previous matches were very fresh in our minds. Like, we'd already, you know, seen them and remembered all the moves and everything. But because they happened over the course of a year, there was enough of a break between them that it felt fresh again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and speaking of that timeline, one of the other things I liked about this match was it seemed like there was the most callbacks or 
like learning from previous matches. Like there was a lot more of them anticipating each other's moves and dodging out of them and also trying some new stuff along with, you know, their tried and yeah, true like things felt, that they did. It felt like the climax to a feud. They both yeah. know what each other does. They both have to bring out new stuff that the other hadn't seen before. Like, mm-hmm. it just in terms of how they wrestled, they told the story of it being like the end of a feud. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Although it's funny, my notes from like that promo video in the beginning, at first I didn't realize it was Ibushi in the video. I thought it was Okada. And I was like, why are there feathers surrounding him? Is this a reference to like the one-winged angel move? Then in capital letters, wait, is that Ibushi? Oh my god, they showed the hug! And I got all excited because it was just so good. Yeah, I had a, like, a note about um, the intro video. So it's like, it tells so much because it shows Kenny like getting kicked out slash leaving like the Bullet Club because of the tension with Cody. And like while him and Cody are having an argument, he accidentally sort of like just in anger pushes one of the young books over. You know what I mean? And it sort of falls out with the young books. But in falling out with the Bullet Club and the young books, he reunites with Kota Ibushi. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then like you say, that amazing bit where it's have you prepared for what's about to happen? Yes. What did it cost? Everything. Just and so then it good. shows the Bullet Club logo. Like, he lost his friendship with the Young Bucks. He lost the Bullet Club. He's lost everything. But he has Kota, so he feels ready. Like, and it's so like, who good. cares? Who needs everyone? And again, I know there is no confirmation. They're not actually necessarily gay or lovers at all. But it just wouldn't be so much of... When I still was a big fan of the show Supernatural, I rage quit it a while ago. But um, one of the episodes, or one of them uh, with like the ghost facers, and someone makes a joking line about gay love will pierce through the veil of death and save the day. Because it did. And I'm just like, yes, who needs anything else? Because you have each other. And it just, I went full like teenage girl, fangirl mode. I just like, it's all you need, love will save everything. But remember, <laughs> only WWE can tell stories. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. Also, another thing about the intro, while we're on the subject of the intro, Mm -hmm. did you notice that Kenny is no longer the cleaner? Oh, no. He is now labelled the best bout machine. (laughs) Which is a pretty fucking accurate nickname. That's accurate and fun. I like alliteration, so I enjoy that. So, let's start going over the notes, since we already sort of started talking about, you know, the intro. (laughs) Let's just move right into things. Yeah. Also wrote, I will take Ibushi over the Young Bucks any day when he started walking out with Kenny. And I was like, you're in the same place. You're in the same room. And like, I haven't even been invested over time. I can't even imagine how it would feel to be a fan in that arena who, you know, like watches this in time, was invested and was like keeping up with the storylines. And you said it had been years since like Koda and Kenny had been together and just to see them like, come Eight out again. Years. Must have been just so nice Eight to f- see and years. feel. Eight Good lord, it's so long. Um, another, it's like, I have to give a bit of praise to the commentary team for, like, something they said at the beginning when he walked out with Ibushi. One of the commentators goes, I'm glad Ibushi is in Kenny's corner. And the other responds, it's symbolic of the journey Kenny has gone on. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Such a good little line of commentary, you know what I mean? Exactly. I also said Kenny's gotten a bit of a makeover, his costume now. 
like his pants looked like he was like in he was gonna be in the the kingdom hearts version of tron with the lines on them and i was like all right not sure where the aesthetic change is coming from but i'll dig it and his hair's gone crazy as well it has okada was wearing pants i didn't know how to feel about that he's always been in his little like booty shorts and I was, Pe- and I was people, like, people complained when he was no longer wearing the booty shorts. People <laughs> sure. wanted the booty shorts, right? Back. It wasn't, <coughs> excuse me, it wasn't because I'm like, I want gratuitous like skin showing that I cared for. The pants themselves, not a fan of the fringe. It was very like spangly cowboy, and I don't think it fit with the Okada like vibe. Like it, in color scheme, it matched his like fun, glittery, crazy coat. But in I'm, overall style, I thought they were just kind of. I didn't like it as much. I'm part of the minority who actually really liked his pants. Like most people are on your side that the boot shorts were better, but I've had them. But I, I just generally prefer pants on wrestlers to sh- like shorts anyway. I like, usually do as well always. because like, but like Omegas are like their pants, but they're also tights. Because other thing about. Oh, Kata's is they were looser around his, like, calves and ankles. Like, they're, like, regular people pants, which is fine. But I'm like, could that also maybe be a liability in wrestling? Like, I don't know. Either. It's a very small yeah. thing, but I was like, ah, not the biggest fan. In the I'll world. have to show you, when we finish recording, I'll have to show you a clip of um, Okada after he lost a belt where he went full, like, off the rails, dyed his hair red, stopped <laughs> wearing his big flashy coat. Started carrying balloons with smiley faces to the ring. <laughs> I'll have to show you that. That's because, really like, funny. the thing about it, I love that so much because it's once again New Japan telling amazing stories where Okada had the most title defenses of like any champion in history. He mm-hmm. had the greatest title reign of the modern era. And when he lost it, it wasn't just like, oh, well, I lost title. That sucks. He, like, went mental. You know what I mean? Like, he lost a part of himself. Like, yeah. he totally sort of forgot who he was because he didn't know how to live without that title. It meant so much to him. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. And again, on that note, I wrote, this is so good. It hasn't even started yet. Why do people not watch this again if they claim to be wrestling fans? Just because so much storytelling and so much emotional payoff before we even begin wrestling. And I was like, they're hugging again! Just showing Ibushi and Kenny can hug. I'm... I every time he would like Abushi was on screen, just reverted to full on fangirl, and that was like my favorite part of the match. I was like, I don't need to watch the wrestling; I'll just watch them. But yeah, and when this one started, you could tell it was going to be a lot longer. So they both seem much more, for lack of a better word, more like zen. Clearly, they're not. They're in an arena with twelve thousand people screaming at them. Their adrenaline's like going, but they just were much more focused and tech. Like the other matches, there was almost this like feral, like aggression and like ferocity at the start and they were both just kind of going for it this one was more about the long game and i think that also has to do with the two out of three pinfalls it's not even just who can be the first to do it it's you need to do it again we need to outlast although there was a moment early on in where okada did his like clean break spot you know he pushes you into a sort of corner and like taps your chest as he breaks away Mm mm-hmm and then Kenny, like, put him in the corner and, like, did it back to him. Which Kenny's yeah. never done that before. Kenny, in all the other matches, got really angry when he did it and lashed out. Mm-hmm. So it showed, like, a change in Kenny's personality. That he was much calmer, more focused, you know. Yeah, and he was less melodramatic for most of it as well. Like, before, I said he'd throw, like, little temper tantrums when Okada kicked out. He'd do things. The only moment this whole match 
that I, I like pegged as, all right, Kenny, calm down. This is a little drama queen. There was one part closer to the end and he was like, like flailing around and like gripping on to like red shoes and like clinging to him to like get up. Oh, well, I'll find the note when we get there later. But it was like, I don't know, there, there was a one moment where he just went full drama queen, but for the mm. most of that match, that wasn't there. But, but what I was going to say is after Kenny did it back to Okada, the match's pace, like, picked up, like, ten fucking notches. They yeah. both just went, like, fucking insane for a bit. Like Yeah. Um, But, like, this is, like, what's so great about, like, these two and about, like, uh, a lot of, like, the top tier in New Japan is, like, we're picking up on this, like, change in Kenny's entire sort of personality and demeanour and stuff like that. And there was no narrative that told us that. Like, the commentators didn't tell us that. There was no, like, they didn't do a promo telling us that or anything like that. It was told purely through how he wrestled and how he behaved in the ring. Exactly. And that that doesn't really happen in many of the other things we've watched. They rely on so many other more obvious and cheesy ways to tell a story. And another thing that telegraphs uh, how Kenny has changed... Yeah. Is if you remember in the first match, Kenny was getting like booed and getting almost no cheers from the crowd. Oh, that's my next note. I was saying I'm so excited yeah. I could hear people in the crowd cheering for Kenny and I was Then in really the third happy. match, he was getting like some cheers, but the crowd was split about 50-50. This match, he was the firm crowd favorite. They were chanting his name the whole match. And every time someone even tried getting Okada chant going, it would just get drowned out by a Kenny chant instead. Yeah, like you'd hear it start and then the Kenny fans would be like, no, we must be louder. And they would just go, which is really nice to see. And even that shows the reflection of the storytelling through the crowd. And it's not like, you know, they could pay and control every 12,000, like one of the spectators, yeah. like do this to help us tell our story. Like that naturally happened because they did their job well. Yeah, they managed Would to you? get him from being like hated by the fans yeah. to being a fan favorite who got cheered by everyone in the arena yep. in just a year. Like, Yep. So then once the wrestling started, like I said, it started out much more focused, moving a bit slower. And then when the first things that started when it heating up for me and some of the stuff that I thought, oh, well, look, that looks really cool or really flashy. The first one when Omega, like... Okada, I think, was running at him, and Omega was, like, at the turnbuckle, and he just, like, flipped over his, like, head to avoid the move or something. And I was just like, how do you get so much vertical height from standing still? I don't understand. <laughs> Crazy. And also, I got really excited to see Kenny's finally learning to avoid some of the drop kicks because, like, towards the end, as he got more tired, he took a, a lot of brutal hits from the o Okada drop kicks, but at the beginning he was like ducking out of them and moving around them, and it was nice to see. Because again, anytime there's callbacks or learning to previous history, it makes me happy. He even managed to like avoid Okada's dive that Okada does. Like, yeah, all I... the other three matches he'd been hit by it, but this match, fourth one, he's like, no, I'm just gonna knee you in the face while you're in the middle of the air. Yeah, because in my next one was that first bit where they were outside. It's like, Okada really likes, like, shoving him into barricades. It's happened every match. But then I was like, oh, shit, he needed when he went for the classic whole body fling. That's what I call it when he, like, launches himself at him. I said, again, shows progression and learning after all these fights, which is really great. 
But all men, I said, those fans look both terrified and like they're having the best day of their lives when he does that. And you can see them trying to gesture like, no, you need to move, move. And they're just there. And it's like half of them look like they want to like get closer and be like, I can touch them and like take a picture. They're half or like, I'm going to die. And like trying to move further away. And it was pretty funny. I'd be that person. I'd be the fan who's like, oh, God, oh, God, I'm going to die. Get me out of here. Giant men fighting. I'd probably be the one like just stood there like, yo, hi, guys. (laughs) You also, though, have way, much more height to withstand should anything happen to you, should you get in the way of anything. I'd get squished like a bug. <laughs> oh, the, it, the one that I didn't really like when they're out there, so then Kenny gets up and he ends up picking up Okada and, like, not full-on tombstoning him, but, like, basically, like, shoving him vertically downwards, like, through the bars of the barricade when he'd had it, like, propped up. I was like, that seems a little bit like dirty and healy and i want you to be the good guy kenny stop it <laughs> in fairness it was okada who put them in that position so it was serves so okada like, right i guess and okada's the one who flung him out of here i think yeah Maybe. yeah it was all yeah. okada who sort of say all up yeah oh and then i was like did omega just kick him right in the face there was one i don't know if it was from the rope or from side but he just got a really the, the way that where the camera was positioned a really well landed like kick right in his face and i immediately kind of reached up and grabbed my chin just out of reflex just like imagining the impact i was like oh yeah, god i had a note about this as well yep and then oh god G- gato is back at the yelling i was like be a silent partner like abushi and i was like abushi is doing it right you don't need to be this obnoxious stop it one, one thing that like speaker people talking outside the ring it was weird not having the young pucks there going you got this kenny it's all strategy, man. Man games, <laughs> I, I baby. Could, I could hear Ibushi say it once. I could hear him say something along those lines. Like, I like you. Yeah, I believe in you. You could do it, Kenny. Most of the time, it was much more quiet, and it was in Japanese, and it was him giving more specific advice, I would assume. But once I could hear him just shout something like that, some generic form of support. And Speaking of things looking really brutal and nasty, Kenny's chops throughout this match. That That's my next note. Literally, I was like, at one point, the commentators described it as like someone hitting a tree with a baseball bat. And I'm like, they're not even wrong. It was so loud. And I was just like, this, this, if you just cut like everything else, just the audio of that. To me, I would think I was walking on a street corner and I was literally about to turn a corner into two guys fucking duking it out and just like fist fighting with all their life. Like it sounded absolutely brutal. I don't understand how a, neither of them were like black and blue by the end. There's a line of commentary towards the end where one of the commentators said, the human body isn't meant to endure this kind of punishment. I was like, accurate. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yet we make it a sport because we can. Uh, oh, and again, the close up on Omega's face after that chop in the turnbuckle. Cause like Kenny's were by f- far and large much more brutal than Okada's, but Okada still got some good ones. And there was one he got him right in the face and the camera just zoomed into Kenny. And it was like, you could see Kenny just seeing stars in that moment and just like needing a minute to be like, oh my God. There was a moment where Kenny chopped Okada and Okada just like stood and tanked it with no change in his facial expression. Oh my God, yeah. It's like, that must have really, really fucking hurt in real life. And he's just no, like not showing that pain at all. Right. How? What? Just because he's pretty a beast. Sure he's not a man. He is a machine. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure wrestlers aren't actually human. Nope. Because, like, a lot of this stuff... Or like, they're yeah, all given wrestling's... some magical pain-reducing steroid. Yeah, because, like, wrestling, yeah, it's, like, 
premeditated, you know who's gonna win. But a lot of this shit still actually really fucking hurts. And I just mm. don't know how they just do, like, a whole match like that of it. And just, like, like especially, like, no-selling it, like, just not showing that they're in pain. Like, how? What? Yep. And I said this match also, like, obviously, because I know it's the end of the feud series we're watching. Like, I know Kenny's gonna win. If I didn't know, um, and I was using my theory, I used to predict, like, the first, like, eight or nine matches we watched that went that way. I'd say... Like, Omega was mostly dominating at the beginning, so I feel like Okada would have be the one to win again, but I knew that wasn't the case. Because it was like, Kenny started out really strong, and then in the middle, he weak, and then, like, Okada got the first pin, then Okada came back, but then Okada fell again, and then Kenny got the upper hand again. I was going to say, do you want to know something that's hilarious? Your theory didn't stand true on sort of the whole match scale, because Okada started off dominant and lost. But it actually did come true for each pinfall. Because Okada, like, Kenny Omega started off sort of dominant for the first one and lost the pin. But then, yeah, Okada Okada. got the first pin, yeah. And then Okada started off dominant, you know, straight away in the second one. And Kenny got that one. True. (laughs) Like, in Sosti. So, technically, I am not wrong. (laughs) But, yeah, just thought that was a fun little note. Uh, Where did... Oh, there we go. Um... Oh, so can I call that first submission Omega did to Okada, the flying Superman? It's the one where he has his arms, like, um, Okada's, like, hips are on the ground, legs on the ground, and he's, his back is up because Kenny has, like, his hands around him in a way so that his arms are keeping his arms, like, pinned in, like, Naruto Superman style behind him while also pulling up on his, like, chin and his face and neck, like, kind of, like, clearly putting pressure on his neck and back. But to me, he just looked like... There's, I just want to call it the Flying Superman because Okada looks like if you put a cape on him and edited Kenny out of the shot. That's there what is, looks like. There is a wrestler um, called Colt Cabana who has a move called the Superman Pin, which is like when his opponent's on the floor, he like leaps and does like a Superman dive through the air and like <laughs> lands in a pinning position on them and nice. pins them. I it's like hilarious. That. And then I had another note about how loud Kenny's chops were. And terrifying. And then one of them yeah, did around the... this around this time, I had a, a note that's in all caps. Everything looks so brutal. Yeah, literally everything. And then uh, one of them did the flapjack move to the other, and I said, I think this move needs a new name. It looks nothing like a pancake. And now I want pancakes. Because, of course, flapjack is another word for pancakes over here. I know in the UK it's not. It's some weird granola bar dessert thing, which still weirds me out, but whatever. Generally, if a, a word has a different meaning in England and somewhere else, the English one is correct. Don't care. <laughs> um, where, oh, I like the next one. Okada, Okada did the thing where he managed to just like chuck his whole body onto Kenny, but this time instead of in a more horizontal way, because normally it's him like leaping over the ropes and like a lot of horizontal travel. This one was just, like, vertical. I think he did it from, like, a top rope or something, or maybe from the arena, from the ring, out and into, like, Kenny on the floor of the apron or something. My notes are not specific enough. But... Oh, yeah, I remember what it was. <laughs> it was, uh, Kenny was outside and he did it, yeah. like, over the top rope onto him. Yeah. Oh, and then this was one of the most brutal moments, I think, the next one in the match, because the camera was positioned basically, like, right where Okada's head was, and we just see Kenny. It's where he drop kicked Okada 
Kit's head, but his kick came through the ropes. So we also had to, like, be so precise with him aiming that to not, like, get in the way of the ropes or something. And just with the camera being right at Okada's head and just seeing the character, I was just like, oh, oh, someone get them helmets, please. Like, it was so nasty looking. Um, and then, yeah, Omega's taking the flinging body move right out of Okada's playbook. It was one where he did, and it, he, he has legs split in, like, such a nice V and his arms wide out. I was like, he looks like a flying squirrel. Someone should get him a flying squirrel well, suit. Was that the one where he did, like, passed for barricade? Yeah. The hot rope, which is yeah. insane. That's, like, such a distance to clear. Yeah. And then, was there a move, if I got the name right, called the Hitaro Crusher that... He did. Very close. Uh, Kataro Crusher. Kataro. Okay. I said, that looks terrifying. And it was really cool. And again, with the height. And just getting so much freaking height out of the air. Yeah, he like leapfrogs his opponent. Which yeah. Which is ridiculous, because Okada's 6'3". And then this part, I was like, I feel like this is, again, going back to something I'd see, like, Black Panther pulling an Avengers movie, when... um. Okada did a German suplex to Kenny, but Kenny just like stood up and like landed it or pulled some agile Black Panther shit to just oh, yeah, not end up flips. taking any impact. Yeah. Yeah, he like backflips and lands on his feet. Yeah. What? I was like, what just happened? How can you still do that after you've been like kicked so many times? I can't wait to show you um, Ricochet versus Will Ospreay. It's it's be like, so much if you like the agile flippy stuff. I do. Wait until you see those two flipping about. Like, it's just mental. <laughs> yep. And then, um, also, I like the callback to the previous match when Okada pinned him with the, the bridge. The thing where he's like, he's in a bridge to hold him down after doing some sort of move. He didn't get the point for that pinfall, but he tried to do it. And it was just getting another note of me going, I'm loving seeing all these moments reminding me of the earlier matches in their feud and everything. There was a moment where Okada did, like, the Rainmaker pose, and as he went to do the Rainmaker pose, Omega just, like, quickly got up and dragon suplexed him. Like, before yep. the camera even had, like, zoomed back in. <laughs> yep. It's, it's uh, like you say, it's, it's, you know, when he does that pose, Omega knows what's coming, and is like, uh, no. <laughs> yep. Oh, and the part where he did, like, a tombstone, Okada did a tombstone to Omega on the apron... And I knew they wouldn't do it because there's no way to do it safely because I know the way they managed to make the tombstone work and not actually, like, screw up everyone's necks. But it's still just the way he positioned it. There was a second where I was genuinely worried he was going to try it it off the... the, Yeah, like, and I was like, no, what are you doing? Not cool. So not cool. And then he didn't. I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah, Because I knew knew rationally he couldn't because the point is you make sure their head is just above your knee so when you're landing, it's their knees taking the impact. Their head is only just, like, looking like level with it because then you can control it but if you do it off then he'll actually land on his head it's so one of those, it's one of those moves that looks brutal as out but it's actually like when done properly very safe you know what i mean yeah exactly although there has been a lot like in wwe tombstones are banned because they like oh like, really although they're a safe move when executed well they can so easily be executed sort of badly in a match. You know, people can just slip a bit or whatever. You know what I mean? True. And, like, you know Stone Cold Steve Austin? By name, yes. I couldn't uh, point him out if you showed me a picture. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, in, in wrestling, like, in the industry, he was the biggest draw of all time. Bigger even than Hulk Hogan, right? 
Okay. When he was like the top wrestler, the most people watched wrestling of like all time. You know, uh, business was good, and but he actually wrestled a super sort of safe style. He was just like a brawler. He just punched people a lot and kicked <laughs> them a lot and didn't really do any fancy moves. Okay. But he didn't always wrestle like that. He used to be a really, really good wrestler. But the reason he had to tone it right down and work like a safe style and just be a brawler was because he had his neck broken when another wrestler like botched a tombstone and oh, actually shit. just spiked his head into and the And he didn't he didn't manage to lose any like muscle like limb function because you can like paralyze yeah, you yourself can really if you do be that. Messed up permanently by having your neck broken, but yeah, uh, you can die from having yeah. your neck broken. Like, <laughs> do you want to know another fun story about uh, when I say like wrestlers are inhuman? Yeah. Okay. There's another wrestler called Kurt Angle. Um, I don't know if you know if you know him. Um, but before he became a professional wrestler, he was an amateur wrestler, and actually won a gold medal for wrestling at the Olympics. Right. What's crazy about that is he won that Olympic gold medal, wrestling, with a broken neck. What the. F- that's not He won normal. a gold medal at the Olympics with a broken neck. How How is he even allowed to wrestle with a broken He's neck? Not, that they're seems... not human. Wrestlers are not human. They are But that still robots. seems like there should be, like, refs or officials in some position that said, no, sorry, like, your, your self-preservation is more important. You're not allowed. Like. Yeah. I think it might have been, like, one of those situations. I think it might have been diagnosed after. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, like, okay. Until it happened before sort of thing okay that might but make yeah a so more like sense. tombstones they're a move that looks brutal but are actually safe but can like if it, it's such a risky move because although it's safe when done well if someone does mess it up yep r.i.p like yep and uh, the next thing in my notes was the I was like here's the trademark okada drop kick to send omega flying out of the arena and it was the one i think where his like rib kidney area hit the barricade and they were playing that up for a long time and then i said the slow motion showed they showed it there's just no way to fake that like he was flying through the air he couldn't in any way stop his momentum when he connected with kenny's like freaking neck you can't fit kenny flying and hitting the barricade the barricade's clearly not made of like rubber it made the the hard noise, like, it's one of those things, I'm just like, you can't, it's one of the things you can't really fake in wrestling, it just looked so brutal, said my whole body hurts watching that, and I was just like, oh man, why is this a thing? Why is this allowed? So, so I looked up Kurt Angle's thing, and I'll read this to you from Wikipedia. Angle faced further hardships while taking part in the 1996 Olympic trials, where he suffered a severe neck injury, fracturing two of his cervical vertebrae, herniating two discs, and pulling four muscles. Nonetheless, Angle won the trials, then spent the subsequent five months resting rehabilitating. By the Olympics, Jesus. he was able to compete, albeit with several pain-reducing injections in his neck. So yeah, he won the gold medal with two like of his vertebrae fractured and herniate two herniated discs but okay then it's like okay maybe you're a disadvantage because you're injured but then could it also be seen as an advantage because he's been given pain reducing injections but then if like wrestlers tried to hit then he's not going to feel pain from that like that just seems like that shouldn't have been allowed to happen because it's simultaneously 
unfair to him, but then unfair to the other person he's facing yeah, I mean, as well. It did happen in like the 1990s. I imagine things that safety has gone up a lot since the <laughs> 1990s. You know what I mean? Hopefully. One would hope. But yeah, and wrestlers was, inhuman. Yep, agreed. It was after that moment too with the sending him flying and Omega hitting the barricade. Abushi started holding the towel and like you can tell from then he was a bit on edge. Yeah. And I like that unlike the young bucks who are like, no, no towel. Like, they wouldn't even like hold it like, no, he's fine. Like Kenny will do this. He doesn't want to do it. But then Ibushi, because he cares, at least the story I played in my head and I think they wanted us to have was Ibushi cares more because he's closer and has that more intimate relationship yeah. with Kenny. So he's not going to sacrifice his friend. So Kenny gets the title. He's like, no, I want you to be okay. There was a line of commentary when uh, Kenny got thrown into sort of the barricade and his like, rib landed right on it. One of the commentators said, Kenny's working with what might be a broken rib. I was going to ask my next note was, did anyone check afterward if he actually did break one? He didn't know. But I have another story for you because I like my stories. So, you know, <laughs> later this year, like, every year New Japan does the G1 tournament that I was telling you about. Yeah, we saw one of their feud matches was yeah. from that tournament. In the 2018 G1 tournament, Kenny Omega wrestled the entire tournament with a broken heel on his foot. Ow! That's gotta be painful. Like, can you even put weight on your foot? Well, he Depending did. Depending on... Well, <laughs> he, clearly, he still, but... He still wrestled the exact same. Like, he even did his, like, running Topecon Hillo out of the ring and stuff. God. With a broken heel. Again, not human. Not real people. That That's why wrestling's fake. It's not because, you know, they pre-plan it. It's not because they stage moves. It's because they're not real people. Answer. Right it's there. just a really high-level androids just wrestling each other. <laughs> right? And then the next note I had was in all capitals. Oh my god, the drop kick from the top rope into Kenny's face. Are you kidding me? Because oh, that, that, oh, Okada did that. And that just, again, looked like... It just was like, how is this allowed? How is this acceptable? It just looks so painful. I, I had a note about that move as well. Just right? A simple like, note of drop kick off top rope. Into face. And not just into like his back or like a meaty part of his body. Into his face. Like, actual face. And then after that, they did some weird... It was the first time I was not a fan of the camera work. They did this weird thing where they zoomed out so far. I guess it was a moment to show the arena. But then in that... Like, maybe they were assuming that Kenny would be down longer from that. But then Kenny pulls an adrenaline surge and he gets up and does... I just wrote some ninja shit. He did some sort of move on Okada. And before they could zoom back in and see it... They're both like down again. I, oh, would, no, I was like, I feel like I missed something. I was, what happened? That's the moment I was talking about. It was basically, you know, Okada does his like rainmaker pose and the camera does the zoom out mm-hmm. before he does the rainmaker. That's what happened. Okada had Kenny down and did the rainmaker pose to signal for the rainmaker. So the camera did the normal zoom. But as we talked about, because Kenny's learnt from all their previous encounters. When Okada did the Rainmaker pose, he didn't just, like, sit there and let him Rainmaker him. He, like, got up and suplexed him. Okay, because I was like, wait a minute, things are happening. Camera, go back. <laughs> yeah, so I, I know, like, from sort of a viewer perspective, it's a bit annoying to have the camera, like, zoomed out while stuff is happening. But, like, from, you know, like we say, a story perspective. Yeah, no, it makes more sense now. I was just like, did someone just fuck up? Like, what happened? Is someone getting fired? <laughs> like, um, And again, Kenny just did another dive getting massive air. 
And I was like, good lord. Was and that he was, is Tope con Hello. I think so. Over. It's so beautiful. Like, so many of the dives is just, like, a body flying through the air. But that when he proper, like, rotates and, like, spreads his arms and legs yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it looks so beautiful. It looked very, very fancy. And then after that, there was some of the... Like, because until now, a lot of the more over-the-top, like, some of the more melodramatic, like, vocalizations or facial expressions, they'd been kind of absent until now. But we first get... A close-up on Kenny, where he just, again, looks absolutely, like, feral and rabid, like, put some foam around his mouth. I wouldn't, like, I would believe someone telling me this guy has rabies and needs to be, like, put down like old yeller. And then uh, after that, we get, like, a good old anime yell from Okada after a drop kick that was, like, him powering up. And I was like, okay, here we go. Here's the, some of that, those shenanigans from the earlier matches, because it had been kind of nice absent. Maybe that's why Kenny's hair is now yellow. He went He's powered up. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, and then there was another, a nice duck out of the Rainmaker from Kenny, which he did a few times, but I guess this one in particular just looked fancy enough or fast enough that I felt the need to note it. Laura. He did. A Kreutzrath. Yep. <laughs> I, ha- I noted it down in all caps because it deserves it. He did yep. the Kreutzrath. I said I was sad that Okada did get that first pinfall point because it was Kenny did the nice dodge out of the Rainmaker, but then Okada still managed to catch him after that, which was great for him and very skillful looking on his part. But I was sad. I was like, no. I, and I, that's why I had to ask you for a minute because it happened so fast. And they got a point. I was like, wait. And I assumed just because I'd seen Kenny dodge the Rainmaker that Kenny then got the point. But then they showed it in slow motion. I'm like, Kenny clearly did not because Kenny is being curled into a ball by Okada. So that's not happening. Um, one thing, so I got a few notes about this first menfall. Um, so the first thing I uh, like, I noted down was it didn't even happen for like thirty minutes into the match, which is a start. Yeah, it was so we long. We talked about when we watched CMLL because in CMLL every match is a best two out of three, but they do like the first two pinfalls just super quick and get them out of the way, and then just have like a normal one fall wrestling match. This match didn't do that. This match, you know, actually spread out all three pinfalls. Yeah, because I had a note, because after the second one and the two-minute break, Kenny kind of had, again, a surgence, and they were like, is this going to be the fastest, like, pin? And part of me really wanted it to, because that would have looked so epic to just, like, after this really long, like, we're approaching 45, 50 minutes match break, and then just to end it in, like, a few seconds after all that would have been really cool. But, you know, they were all spread out, like you said. And um, another thing is that uh, neither wrestler actually hit their finisher for the first fall. So you still you mm-hmm. went into like the second and third falls like, well, you know, they still both got their finishers. You know what I mean? Like, what's going to happen with that? And then also, because the first pinfall was like a surprise roll-up, like, if... I'm trying to think how to word this. If the first fall had happened... Because one of them hit a big move and the other guy was, like, dead from it. And they got normal pinfall. It makes pinfall. it that much harder to believe they could keep going. Yeah, but because it was, like, a surprise just roll up, it makes sense how they can keep going for the next two pinfalls. Because neither of them were actually exhausted. It was just a surprise yeah, roll up. Yeah, and show how Kenny could still have energy to yeah. pin because he didn't take a massive... It's very. Well, it was clearly very well had. thought out 
pinfall. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, and then, then there was a bit, I was like, I'm not a fan of Okada just showing off and, like, taking the chops from Kenny, being like, I'm in control now, I got the first pin, I'm great, and being all cocky. And again, clearly that was planned to some degree for part of the narrative and to be the the start of Okada, how he loses the match, and it was with that, like, cockiness. But every time that happens in any wrestling match, I've never liked it that we've watched, when there's just a, like, pissing contest of, I hit you, I forearm you, then I'll forearm you back, then I'll forearm you back, and we'll just keep going. I, I actually agree with you that I don't really like them either. The only time I've ever liked it when I've seen it is in Shibata Okada. Because that's sort of just the theme of that whole match is Shibata just showing how much better he is than yeah. Okada. You know even I mean? even so... in that match though, I made the parallel to that whole thing with like Frankie and Senior Pink in One Piece and how that drove me nuts. And you can ask James every time I was yeah. trying to skip the whole episode. He's like, Laura, you can't. You got to watch it. And I'm like, can't we just not watch this part? It's so but, like, dumb. That's the only time I've ever liked it, and it's because like it's Shibata's whole character is that he doesn't give a shit what you do. He's still just gonna beat the crap out of you. You know what I mean? It's like, and you can't outstrike him. Like, it, it, he'll just take take your hits yeah. and do not give a single shit about them. But when he hits you, you'll fucking feel it. And yeah, for like, sure. so that's the only time I've ever liked it. And that's just because it worked so well into the story of the match and Shibata's character. But that the same can't be said here. Here, it was just another random spot in a match. Yeah. And then the whole bit with the table happened. I literally go, oh no, not another table. I did like, though, that this one, rather than being, like, pulled from under the ring or somewhere where it was like, we're trying to pretend this is a surprise prop when it's clearly not. This one was somewhat more believably hidden because it was, like, a table other people were sitting at with a tablecloth over it and everything. And then Kenny was like, hey, I'm borrowing this. Thanks. Yeah, Kenny just robbed the commentary <laughs> table. like Yeah, like. like, straight up. So I did like that, that we've at least made it a little more believable and not so obvious for, like shock and awe the, the best is when they have like uh the, one of my favorite things in wrestling ever is when like they pull weird weapons out from under the ring like Triple oh my H god pulling like a sledgehammer out from under the ring so why the fuck is there a sledgehammer there like exactly. the table it sort of makes sense because they'll need spare tables for like commentary and whatever but why is there a sledgehammer under the fucking ring like what yep. and again i was just reminded of you explaining the difference in like the tables in other promotions versus here because table did not even crack when he like double stomped it it did come off the like legs a bit like at the top it was loose but the actual wooden piece itself didn't even freaking break and like um i'm pretty sure when okada like when he landed that double foot stomp onto the table i'm pretty sure okada wasn't selling there i'm pretty sure that just really fucking hurt yeah <laughs> agreed and then I was a little bad because Red Shoes wasn't counting. And I'm like, they've been out of the arena for ages. Can we start counting them back in, please? But then they finally did. Um, I like, oh, this part, I was like, this is a little bit cringe for Kenny. I feel bad. And I was like, this is awkward. As he's saying, you can't escape, Okada escapes. And not in a way like he says it and then it's like, oh yeah, epic plan. It's like, he hasn't even gotten the words out yet and you're doing it. Like, it was like, Kenny, this is awkward. The way my note is phrased is, you can't escape, he says, right before Ricardo escapes. Exactly. Um, I was like, Kenny, I'm rooting for you. But that was awkward. That was just awkward. Um, I said, they're making it hard to see how Kenny wins this, because Okada's kind of killing it right now. Oh, the part where 
he had him on the ropes and he did the thing where he picked up his leg and like hooked his leg into like that triangle position before like falling with him I was like oh this is no time for yoga why are you making him do pigeon pose that's what it's called in yoga when you put your leg in front and then you lean on it like that but I was like I don't quite understand because in the way he fell it seemed like putting his leg in that position didn't actually make it worse or cause any more pain or strain than if you'd just done it. I didn't quite understand the move. The only thing I can think of is that when he landed, when it showed it in slow motion, his leg comes, like, right down on his knee that is, like, stretched sort of flat. So that's the only thing I can think of, that that impact Maybe. to your knee sort of hyperextends your knee a bit. Yeah. And that that's about as much as I've got. <laughs> that's as much as I yeah. can like try and make it just seemed a little bit extra for not much payoff you know yeah um but hey and again I think the a big part, part is just that like from a sort of been a wrestler standpoint is like um it's just this idea of it looks different and therefore it stands out like if you yeah. just did a normal suplex there's nothing differentiating it to everyone else's suplex fair know? And again, we're back outside the ring, and I was like, oh, man, here we go. I like where you can see Kenny literally telling the crowd and people to move. And he's, like, gesturing, and he's like, get out of the way. He's about to slay him Okada. And it's, oh, it's a part where he's on the ropes, and he has him on the ropes, and he's trying to, like, bring him to fall back onto the table, and Okada's just, like, gripping for dear life, and he's like, nope, nope, I'm not doing it. Mm-mm. And this made me think of, like, Imagine, like, when, like, a parent is trying to get their kid to go somewhere they don't want to go to, like, the doctor, so the dentist and the kid's just, like, holding on to the banister in the house, and you're pulling them, they're like, no! He did this this same spot in another match, did Kenny, where he had a table set up and was trying to dragon suplex the guy through the table. And it was this guy called Ishii, whose nickname is the Stone Pitbull. He's just a really short, like, stocky guy. (laughs) And this guy, like, Kenny gets both of his arms behind his back so he can't hold on to the you know, rope. So the guy grabs onto the rope with his teeth and he's just like literally, holding on with his teeth. It's literally, so as good. you said, he grabbed his arms. I'm like, he's going to bite it, isn't he? Yep. He's going to bite it. <laughs> it was so That's good. hilarious. That makes me chuckle. Um, but yeah, anyway, and even Red Shoes is like, don't do it, Kenny. And Red Shoes is like yelling at him and like, don't you dare. Don't you, I can see you. I'm like, again, but if it was a parent analogy, it's like, I will give you a timeout. Don't you do that to your brother. But, made me laugh and then the table didn't happen but kenny still gets like a reversal on okada outside of the ring and i liked that the table didn't happen because that would have looked so brutal and i think been overkill so i actually enjoyed that like subverting expectations moment i guess yeah like they never did they never actually used the table like yeah in the whole match (laughs) and then the part where he's they're finally counting um and kenny's back in the ring and Okada's taking forever, and he's, like, struggling. He pulls himself up on the barricade. He tries to get in the ring and, like, can't and, like, falls again because he, like, misjudged the height and just, like, clotheslined himself. I was like, I can't decide if this is endearing or, like, good storytelling or if this is just cringy to watch because how much of this is, like, fake. I don't know. Like, I had mixed reactions watching that part. How about One you? thing I really liked was how when Okada finally gets in the ring at 19, Kenny rushes straight at him and starts beating him both up again. Oh yeah, it like, doesn't, doesn't give him even a second to breathe. Yeah. And again, going back to way back when, when I said my biggest, one of my biggest things about wrestling was all these unrealistic moments. If it's a fight, you do what you have to win. That's what you would do. You wouldn't just be nice and let your opponent recover. So, 
I also thoroughly enjoyed that. Then there was another standing still punching contest, but that ended quickly. And I was like, thank God. And then all of a sudden things just started moving really fast. Like they both just got this energy surge and just a lot of stuff happened. And there was lots of moves landed, moves dodged. And then at the end of it all, Kenny gets a pin. But I wrote he did it with a one-winged angel, but clearly he didn't. Because he said they don't get he doesn't get the finisher until like the end. He does but, he did get the second pinfall with a one-winged angel. Oh, okay. Then I'm not crazy. And and actually like one thing that's great is the one-winged angel is like protected so heavily and like, you know, put up across as such a devastating move. Okada laid totally like still and motionless for the entire two minute break. I know. Because that's what they, they kept saying, like, oh, he might be unconscious. What do we do if he's unconscious? I'm like, guys, his eyes are open. We can see him. But still, yeah, it clearly he was. Yeah, like, 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 I love that. Like, showing that, like, just how devastating that move is. That, like, he get, yeah. not only does he get the pinfall with it, Okada don't fucking move for two whole minutes. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's also a bit just like, before he lands the one winged angel where he V triggers Okada. And yeah. Okada literally travels halfway across the ring from a knee to the Oh head. my god. Yeah. What? You can't knee a person's head halfway across a ring. That's not <laughs> cool. Like, Well, you can if it's Mortal Kombat, but then it would come out and the spine would come with it, you know? <laughs> oh, man. And then, so yeah, we have the two-minute break. I really like that they give them a two-minute break between pins. It also gives fans time to, like, cheer and relish the pin. And, like- yeah. And it also gives the, like, um, if they'd have, like, okay, that's the first pinfall. Like, CMLL, they just go straight into the next pinfall. Which, you know, like you say, like, well, how are they able to just start wrestling again? You know what I mean? Whereas yeah, with a two-minute break, it gives them time to, like, catch a breather, have a break, recover a bit, you know. Adds exactly. a bit more believability than them going straight into wrestling again. Yeah. And I was like, yes, more of Kenny and Abushi, please. Because there was just moments of them getting to just be cute and be wholesome together. It just makes me happy. Um, and then, of course, it starts. And I was like, I want Kenny to get this fall hella fast. Because it looked like he just, again, the minute the break was over, he launched at him. He was going for it. He's like, I don't want to waste time. And it looked like he might have gotten that pin. I mentioned that earlier on. I think it would have been pretty cool to see that. But it didn't. And I like that then Okada gets the Rainmaker, even though Kenny is, like, falling back, he manages to make his foot catch Okada. Maybe not make, it might have been an accident, but either way, on the way down to the ground, he also manages to get a cheeky kick in there. This and- is an important thing to notice as well, is that after the second pinfall, right, it's 1-1. One, one. Oka- Omega's hit his finisher, Okada hasn't. So you're going exactly. into the third fall, if you're sort of paying attention, thinking Okada's going to win. He still hasn't actually hit the fucking Rainmaker. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to mm-hmm. hit the Rainmaker and win. I didn't even think about that, because I'm not used to, like, those expectations, because I'm still new at this, so that's kind of cool. I enjoy... Again, anytime you can subvert expectations in a way that isn't, like, stupid or cheesy or gratuitous, I'm here for it. Um... I said it again, I feel like if this was a timed match, it would end in both of them passing out from exhaustion again. So I don't know how anyone's going to get a pin. It just looks like they're dead. There's one, one moment they close, they did a close-up on Kenny's face. You could literally see, like, only the whites of his eyes. Like, his eyes were, like, rolling back in his head. Which he could have also been doing, you know, manually. But it still looked... It, 
it had the desired effect. Yeah, right? even if he's doing it manually, it's really impressive selling. Like, yeah, because <laughs> also like that only works if you know the camera is close up on you. Otherwise, it's a w- such a waste of effort. Um, where's oh, so the move I don't know what it's called, where Kenny had Okada's feet like by his head and his head towards the ground, and he did the like fall forward so that Kenny is landing on top of Okada and on his stomach. And they were kind of like at reversed positions, like one's head is at the other's feet. Looked kind of weird, but kind of cool. That is the Styles Clash. It was AJ Styles finishing oh, really? when he was in New Japan. Oh, so that's there's a cool. lot of story here behind Kenny using it in this match. Right. Because one, AJ Styles was the champion before Okada and was the person Okada beat for the title. And also, AJ Styles was the leader of the Bullet Club before Kenny, and Kenny like took it, like beat him up and like kicked him out of the Bullet Club to become the Bullet Club leader. Oh, that's all really cool. So there's Again, a lot of wrestling story. to tell story. Not yeah, there's like a lot shit. of story behind. Like both of them have a lot of experience with that move. You know what I mean? And like the person who used it. Mm-hmm. So like there's a lot of like like Kenny using it on Okada. You know what I mean? Like there's so yeah. much to it. Yeah. And that's just one move. Just one. <laughs> yep. And again, the callback to the moment where, um, like, Kenny in the match where he dodged a Rainmaker unintentionally from collapsing. The part where he, like, has Okada on his shoulders to try and do a move and just collapses out of it to sell that fatigue. Like, I was like, I know you win this, but moments like that are making it really hard to see how that can happen. And it was just really good. And then after he, uh, I said spiked Okada, I don't know what I'm referring to anymore, so I thought that would be it. I thought that would be the final, like, pin. And I was surprised he kicked out, but I don't even remember what I'm referring to anymore with that. There's also a moment after he hits, like, the Styles Clash. He's like, what what do I need to do to win? And Ibushi's like, use my finisher, the Phoenix Splash. So Kenny goes mm. up to the top rope yeah. and tries to do a boosted finisher and just misses completely. That was my next note, and that's one of the things that kept this from being a five-star match for me, actually. Because the minute he did that, and I could see they had that exchange, I thought that would have been such a good way to win. Yeah, that would have been so cool winning with Because A, Ibushi's the move finisher. just looks really cool. B, again, playing into their reunion storyline, and I'm clearly more invested in them than in who wins this actual wrestling match. And then when he didn't hit it, or at least I hoped he'd be able to hit it and then Okada would kick out. The fact that he just completely missed, I thought was such an epic moment wasted. And I think that would have been a more satisfying win than him getting, than the way he got the win. Yeah, like it was just so good of a moment that I think was wasted. But I actually agree. Oh, well. with you. I and think it that would have really been a cool. really cool fucking ending to it. Like, you know, he's like his bond with Bushi, like, helped. Like, not just on yeah. the emotional level, but, like, Ibushi's Wrestling-wise, exactly. Actually, yeah, helped him pull out the win. Exactly. And then after that, I like the... He's doing so many knees. I'm like, oh my god, endless knees. Kenny, have mercy. He just kept on, like, kneeing his face, kneeing his face. But then, and in one of the subtle cues you can finally catch, it showed Kenny was about to go knee him again. 
but he looked at you could see them make eye contact and he like double tapped his knee with the hand and to me i interpret as that's the cue of all right you catch this one like we've planned because after that okada caught the knee and then pulled some moves on him and then hit a rainmaker i know we comment on this every match we watch but kenny's fucking knees jesus christ and this was like three in a row how doesn't he kill anyone (laughs) And, like, does the one where Okada's head is against the turnbuckle and he, like, knees his head, the back of his head, into the turnbuckle? Yeah, you don't even have anywhere to go. What? Oh, that's so disgusting. And then this part, after that, he hits the Rainmaker, but Okada collapses and Kenny stayed standing longer than Okada. Okada just not having the strength to actually do a Rainmaker. He just doesn't have it in him. Yep, and Kenny just tanking it. He did then fall eventually, but... And then this is where his eyes rolled back in his head. But then he all of a sudden pulls it back and dodges another Rainmaker and suplexes him and then suplexes him again. So, as much as I... At first, I really liked the eyes rolling back. Like, so I was like, damn, that's intense. But then he pulled so much, like, stuff afterwards. So many moves. I was like, mm, I don't know. As one, There's one moment where they're lying there after the suplex. So it's just like kind of Kenny spooning Okada and to see them at both shoulders in the ground I was like if you didn't know any better and just took that frame like edit out the background they just look like two men having a nice cuddle after a lot of sweaty sex and I was just like it's kind of cute if you forget that they've been beating the shit out of each other right now they look kind of adorable which actually that's um they commented on that in the documentary like when they were like laid on each other against a rope there's a bit in the documentary where they say like even in this match that's so long, so brutal, and so hard fought, there's like a moment of just sereneness. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just a exactly. moment of peace where they sort of like have like that respect for each other, and you know what I mean? Like, yep. And then I said again, how do you pull moves like a reverse Rado when you looked on the verge of death a moment ago? The name of Kenny's autobiography. <laughs> and this was the flaily and melodramatic moment right now. I was like, let go of red shoes. And I don't even remember why he was being so melodramatic, like Kenny, and why he was all... And, and at this at this moment in time, like around this period towards the end, the crowd is going fucking Oh yeah, they, they're mental. losing their mind. You can tell the pin's coming just because the crowd is anticipating it. And then again, the camera angle. He got another kick on Okada's head through the rope. And just again, the camera was just positioned right there, just so you felt every bit of that on your own head. And I was like, oh. And then the last one wing, as I said, the crowd on that last one winged angel, like, I'm sure you must be able to hear them like a mile away from the arena. They were nuts. But I said, I still think it would have been better if Kenny got the win with Ibushi's move. That, yes, Ibushi, you go, congratulate and nurse your man in capital the, letters. The <laughs> Is so good. With oh, the, the post match was my favorite part, right? Uh, that whole bit. The minute they came out, I was worried. Because, see, if this was WWE and I saw them walk out, I'd worry about what stupid shit's going to happen. Like, we're going to get into some, like, cat fight. I say the arena. Are they going to be like, that wasn't legitimate? Or this is a win for the Bullet Club and doesn't count? Or, like, I don't know. They'd pull some angry, bad drama shit. But it was just them being like, Let's put the past behind us. You're our friend. We want to be here to celebrate this moment with you. And we want to congratulate you. And the hug. Just hugs are such a... a, uh, Hugs are such a big storytelling tool in New Japan. And it makes me so happy. Another little detail that's really important to note is that he doesn't hug them immediately. But then when 
Red Shoes goes to hand him the title belt, he pushes the belt away to hug them instead. Like, that their friendship is mm-hmm. more important than the title yeah, belt. Yeah, which was so cute. And it make me so happy. And also, again, that's a really touching and emotional moment right after a really hype, like, very machismo moment. And I'm sure, like, even wrestling maybe five or ten years ago would... Would, would they be so willing to have, like, that moment of that kind of intimacy, especially with two people of the same gender? Even though it's not at all a romantic thing between Kenny and the Young Bucks, but it is still very vulnerable, very intimate, and very personal. Rather than, like, him, say, grandstanding around the arena and, like, screaming because he won, like, holding up the belt. And he, they could have just, like, you know, done, yeah. like, the bro hug where they, like, grabbed, like, you know, grabbed the fist and a pat on the back and stuff. But it was, like, a full-on hug like uh, i haven't seen you like a long lost love in a long time hug you know we've talked um before about like what happens sort of when vince goes and uh, like we say a lot of people think triple h will take over and a lot of people think it'll be a lot better when he does a great example of that is like recently you remember told you about that nxt match where it was um Mm -hmm. johnny gargano adam cole where johnny finally after chasing it for years won the nxt title after the match, Tommaso Ciampa, who he's been feuding with all this time, but, you know, used to be best mates with, comes out. And, you know, like you say, you're thinking, oh, God, it's WWE, what's going to happen? And they just hug, and Ciampa's just proud of him for finally realising his dream. You know what I mean? And it's like, you don't expect that in a WWE show at all. But yeah, for sure. That's, like, how much sort of better NXT is than, like, the main... Roster, they they will have moments like that. You know what I mean? Two old mm-hmm. friends reuniting with a hug after a hard fought yeah. title match. Oh, you know and then I mean? when like, when like Abushi then joins the hug too, it just becomes this like group hug. I was just like, ah. Oh. And then also about was like, oh, I want someone to hug Okada. He's probably feeling really bad. Did, did right you notice? Now. Actually, did you notice actually when Omega like had first sort of won and stuff and like. uh like before he stands up and the referee's his hand, there's a moment where he's on his knees on his floor and he just like has his arm on Okada's arm, like checking on Okada. Oh, I totally missed that. Oh, that makes me happy. Like he's he's not like you know, there's no malice there. He's just got like respect for Okada. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't hate Okada. He wasn't wrestling him out of hate. He was wrestling him because he wanted the title. You know what I mean? So he takes a moment to like check on his opponent before you know, his victory gets announced. Yeah, that's really, really great. But yeah, that's all my notes. But again, and I think, so like I said, the most of the wrestling was pretty good. The thing, the two main factors that kept this from being a five out of five were I really, like just seeing him use Ibushi's move, it was such a good moment. And like, it was all I thought of after was I really wish he'd won that way. And like, even when he did win, part of me was still wishing it had happened differently because it was so good and the beginning and end of the match like before the wrestling were so good in one way at first I was like oh I want to give it five just for that but then I'm like at the same time though that's like separate like the the match should probably still be the highest point so I was like is it almost like it was great as a viewer but then like out of scoring it, it's like maybe that's a bad thing for the wrestling that it was so outshone uh, but, by yeah but as, as we always say like at the end of the day wrestling is a storytelling medium yep. it's basically yep. a soap but with athletics thrown in like <laughs> you know what i mean so 
like I always think, you know, it like like you can have great matches with no story to them, and yeah, they'll be enjoyable to watch. But when they have that story thrown in, it just elevates everything. You know what I mean? It's like as much as I love PWG, right? It's my favorite promotion in the whole world because the wrestling there is so fucking insane. They'll just have a, like, loads of promotions think you can't have a whole card of great wrestling. You need, you know, like, peaks and valleys. No, PWG will put on a whole card of insane wrestling non-stop. And just fucking blow your mind with the quality of the wrestling. But there's almost no story in any of their matches. And that's why, like, as much as I love PWG and I love that, like, insane wrestling and stuff like that. None of their matches will equal, like, a Kenny Omega Okada match or an Okada Shibata you know what I mean because the wrestling may be equal the wrestling might be like just as fucking good but there isn't that storytelling there yeah and it's the story that like elevates matches to that next level you know what I mean yeah for sure well yeah those are all my my notes on the match clearly there are many because we're already over an hour just with mine but it was a long match there was a lot to to talk about uh, we went over most of mine, because most of mine and were And the just culmination off. of the feud, too, right? Which yeah. is a big deal. Most of mine were just elaborating on, you know, little details like the sort of styles clash, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. And the Kreutz Wrath, because it's the Kreutz It's the best <laughs> I think the, the styles clash info you gave was probably, like, the coolest bit of, like, supplementary info, uh, like, that you told me today. And I think that's that's a really neat... It's like finding Easter eggs in a movie. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like hearing about that. And that's that's one of the cool things about like the uh Kenny Omega sort of Okada matches and stuff is that when you go I know you never will, but when you like rewatch <laughs> them, you tend to pick up little details you didn't notice the first time. You know what I mean? Like they actually are like that. They are like you know, it's like a movie when you rewatch a movie and you notice all like little details you didn't notice on your first watch. Yeah, yeah. That happens with these wrestling matches, which is like insane to think about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like what I commented about like how on after the first pinfall neither had hit their finisher, that didn't occur to me on my first ever watch through. You know, yeah, what I, mean? I, I totally missed it. You had to point that out to yeah, me. Yeah, so. it wasn't until like my second watch through that I was like, wait, they fucking like planned this shit out. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, 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 they like you know worked out how each pinfall was gonna fucking go. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they they knew what people would expect and like played into it so absolutely. Heavily, you know? Yeah, exactly. But not only is it like we're playing into that because we are, but also it's like that's, to me, that shows also really a high level of respect and appreciation to your viewers because A, we respect them enough to think they're smart enough to catch that and appreciate that and B, respect like we want to give them a match that isn't utterly predictable or we want to give them a match that, you know, keeps them on the edge of their seat. So I because so many not just wrestling, but so many things in general, uh, like media tend to underestimate their audience, I find, and like dumb things down and they don't need to. So this is this is one thing about like WWE. We always have in WWE, but (laughs) it's one thing is they treat their audience as dumb. Exactly. They feel they have to explain every single little thing. They feel they can't do, like, subtle storytelling at all because people won't notice it. You know, they think their audience yeah. are dumb and they treat you like you're dumb. Yep, exactly. And um, it's also, like, um, it's sort of, like, something that's happened recently with, like, uh, 
Game of Thrones. One of the reasons Game of Thrones was such like a standout show was that it didn't treat you like you were dumb. It had so many subtle things going on and just hoped you noticed them and picked up on them because you're an intelligent human being. But now they've sort of run out of source material and it's just, you know, like, directors are showing stuff like writing it. The qualities, like, it's now treating you like you're dumb. You know, and pointing every single thing out and harping on it over and over and over again. And it's lost that, you know, edge. It's lost that, like, treating you like you're... Yeah. Smart. It's gone from New Japan to WWE. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, that's one of my biggest complaints with like WWE when I watch it. It's just like Stop treating I feel, me like a child. I feel like I lose brain cells as I watch it. <laughs> yeah, and see, and that's the exact criticism, like the bias I grew up hearing, and like I was that's one of the exact almost verbatim, like you just quoted my dad, things I was told was no one in this house is allowed to watch wrestling. I don't want to watch you lose brain cells. Like, but and of course, for him though, the difference was that was any wrestling that wasn't just WWE yeah. in, in his mind. But, um, and the thing, the thing is, um, as well, is another thing that WWE do. It's not just they treat you like you're dumb; they don't expect you to ever remember anything. Like they'll just change plans like two weeks later, totally, to a totally different thing that makes no sense with what happened two weeks ago. But they just expect you to have forgotten what happened two weeks ago and just embraced a new direction they're going in. Whereas New Japan doesn't do that. Like like you said, there's so many throwbacks to their previous matches in this. You know what I mean? Like, they don't expect you to forget things. They expect you to remember it and play into your memories and, you know, use them to heighten the story. It's such a difference. Yeah, of course. Because, like, no one wants to be talked down to. No one wants to feel, like, infantilized or feel, like, you're being treated like you're dumb. So, but, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's all um, we have to really say on this match. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the greatest wrestling match of all time. <laughs> do, you think it, do you think it lived up to the hype? Well, given I don't have a wide field to compare it to, but, like, this is definitely the most invested of all the things we've watched like i that i have been and the most like on the edge i've been and both in like there are times where i'm like actually thought someone's gonna hurt themselves or where like i said also and also where matches ended in a way i couldn't predict even though some of them i did predict and i just forgot i predicted them like the ending out of exhaustion but yeah yeah so yeah like I say a lot of people consider this sort of the greatest match that's ever happened Especially if you like, yeah, like say, follow all that sort of story all along and see this as the big payoff to a year-long sort of story, or in Dakota and Kenny's case, an eight-year-long story. You know, it's just it changes everything. Um, so, I've no idea when we're going to record the next episode because you are very, very busy. Yeah. Um, but when, <laughs> whenever we get round to it, we will be moving on to women's wrestling. Woo. Starting off with PWG, because PWG are the best. <laughs> and I actually say it's less to do this time with my sort of favouritism towards PWG and more to do with the match itself, because it's one of the most sort of infamous mixed gender matches of all time. And I know that you're particularly, like, you know, interested in mixed gender matches. Yeah, I'm super hyped. So, yeah, it's, it's one of the most infamous 
And I use the term infamous, not famous. Infamous. That's intentional. Mixed gender matches of all time. And it's going to be a hell of an experience, and I can't wait to see your reaction to it. Um, so yeah, next uh, episode will be PWG, Candice LeRae and Joey Ryan versus the Young Bucks. And then that will start us off on our like run-through of women's wrestling, where we'll be watching you know, Women of Honor, um, WWE, NXT, Stardom. Um, yeah, so look forward to that. Uh, if you want to keep up with the podcast, you can do it at makingamark.wixsite.com. Or you can follow the podcast on Twitter at MAM Wrestling. Or you can follow Laura personally on Twitter at LauraK483. If you have any feedback you want us to see, or you have any questions you want us to answer, there's a contact form and an email address on the website. Both will come through to me. And also, you can, you know, send a message or tweet at the wrestling like the mam wrestling twitter and i'll reply to that as well or feel free to send any feedback direct to laura if you'd rather you know contact her about anything or ask yeah, her any questions yeah always down and thank you very much for listening yeah and sorry for the impromptu break that's about to happen but i have very little control over my schedule in my life so real life great <laughs> thank you for listening